He was seeing a psychiatrist. Tony? Fucking broad from Montclair. Anyway, this is who leads us now. There you go, kid. There you go, you big motherfucker! The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. This is your host, Hollywood Wade, along with my co-host, Jaeger Yancey Tedder. Jaeger, say hello. Hey, 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 everybody. What a week. We are having problems in Haiti, funding the Taliban. This guy I'm talking to being a crash test dummy for Dodge Chargers. (laughs) Absolutely. A lot going on. Yes, this is my 435th wreck. Uh, managed to <laughs> live through all of them. For free. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, if you're hearing this, I managed to live through all of them. Uh, was it a head on collision Tuesday morning? So if you're hearing this, uh, obviously I'm still okay, but it was a rough week. Our last interview, uh, got uploaded to YouTube a few days late. Cause well, like I said, for fuck's sake, I was going to head on collision. So cut me some slack over here. That definitely will do it, and definitely you're alive because it will be one hell of a long distance call to put you through from the afterlife, pal. But glad you're still kicking over there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's probably a rival podcast trying to take me out, no doubt about it here, because we're rising up the charts. If you look, we're rising up the Apple charts. We're getting the ratings where they need to be. We're getting the numbers. You know, we're, we're getting where we need to be here, so it wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried to take us on out. You know, you didn't have any you're scares around there. your way. You have any scares around your way, pal? Not, not yet, not yet. All I had was a little tooth mouth problem last week, but I don't think anybody can put that on me all kind of way. I do run my mouth a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess that product <laughs> growing up. Shoulder. Product of growing up watching the Attitude Era and WWE or F at the time. Yeah. Quick hey, winning. that is one bright spot. Uh, CM Punk came back this week. There I we did. Go. I, I seen that nice last night. I seen that last night, AEW, he came out. That was, uh, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just seen a clip of it on Instagram, but he, he looks old. Dirt. <laughs> he looks older, but he also looks like he's got life back in his face too. Yeah. Well, he didn't <laughs> do nothing, but, uh, out of well, fought two of you, two UFC fights in about the last five years. So he ought to have a little tread left on the tires, I guess. On the wrong side of 30 to get in the UFC fight. But I guess we're so far off topic now, we got to bring it back. <laughs> Absolutely. So, folks, today here on Crime and Entertainment, I was able to sit down with a man that has been in a number of TV shows and movies, over 60, in fact. He spent about nine wow. years on Law and Order as Detective Profaci. Uh, did you watch Law and Order coming up? I was like aware of it. it would be that show that would just so have to be on at times, but I never sat down and made it appointment viewing. Yeah. So it was one, it started in 1990. It was like the original law and order. And this guy, he played detective Tony Profaci and he was on there. I think from its run from 1990 to 1998. Um, mm-hmm. 
And his name is John Fiore. But now where a lot of people are probably going to recognize him from is a show we've talked about a number of times on here. And I made it very clear. It's probably my most favorite television show ever is the Sopranos in the Sopranos. He played Gigi Sestone and he was the captain of the crew. And most people will remember him for the way he died. Now on the Sopranos, you remember Ralphie got his head cut off. You remember Janice Mm. shot Richie April and they cut him up. I mean, just a number (laughs) of different deaths. Do you remember exactly how Gigi died? No, I do not recall this one too well. Okay. He died on what Paulie called the Pisha do. Now, I guess that's an Italian word for the shitter. He died taking a shit. Oh, okay. It's Beavis and Butthead said, why do they call it taking a shit when you're actually leaving it? But I digress. <laughs> well, he left. That's a way to go. Well, he left literally because that was how he died on the show. <laughs> he, had, he had some blockage there from some turkey sandwiches or something, and, and he blew a gasket right there on the commode. And that was how he left the show. When we get into that in this interview of how he got the phone call that he was going to die and be off the show. And he went on to do a number of other things. He actually went to the guiding light for a while and played a wise guy there. I think it was Vinny Salerno. Um, then he went on and he starred in a show that I liked. It was on Showtime. It was called Brotherhood. Now, did you ever watch that one? I didn't get too far into it. Only the first maybe three or four episodes. Uh, that one didn't really hook me. Yeah, I mean, it was good. You had to you had to get into it. You had to give it a little bit of time. But once it started rolling, it was real good. It was kind of loosely based on the Whitey Bulger relationship between, you know, he had a brother that was high up in the, the rankings of the FBI. That was kind of like that. The guy, main character, was like high up in the political aspect. His brother was real involved in organized crime. So it comes a point in time where they, they don't really like each other, but then kind of have to work with each other and help each other for certain things. And it was good. And we, we talked about that and he said he felt like it just come out at the wrong time. Had it to come out a few years earlier or a few years later, he felt it probably would have been a, a hit show. And I kind of tend to agree with him. I think it just kind of come right on the heels of the Sopranos and maybe we just weren't quite ready for it yet, but it was a good show. I liked it. Um, if you ever get a chance, maybe go back and knock all those out. Cause it's definitely worth a watch. I wouldn't steer you wrong, but, uh, I got you. And timing is everything. That was, Kind of in that time frame where Showtime hadn't quite popped off just yet either, or, or was that before or during Dexter? I think Dexter's kind of the time frame I would say it really got hot. Yeah, I think uh, this is a little bit before Dexter, but I remember I wasn't on Dexter right off the bat. I think I come in. Uh, well, you actually actually introduced me to Dexter. I think I came in in season three, maybe. Mm, yeah, that would have been oh eight for season three. I think Dexter was oh six. I don't. And my computer in front of me to pull well, this, this started up. Yeah, in 06. I see what he's saying. Yeah, the Brotherhood <laughs> started in 06. So that could have been it. You know, sometimes you got a hit movie and, you know, it gets released where a movie that not necessarily is a better movie, but it's just got more recognition behind it, more clout, more advertising. And you kind of get overshadowed when you probably were the better film. You know, timing is, is everything with shows and movies. And, yeah, totally. You know, everything has to kind of flow together and like, you know, the show we mentioned that he was in the Sopranos, that was just kind of one where everything fell in the right place. And, you know, we talked about it there. They didn't really have any huge name actors. Like you had Jimmy Gandolfini playing Tony Soprano and I'd seen him in eight millimeter and in true romance, but not a lot of other stuff that, you know, portrayed him definitely in that role anyway. 
Mm-hmm. And then Edie yep. Falco, she was in Oz. She was a prison guard in Oz, and she had done a few things. Uh, you know, Tony Sirico had had a few roles here and there. Stephen Van Zant, I don't think he'd done anything, any acting at all, as uh, people know that he was in the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you got Michael Imperioli, who was famous for the spider scene in Goodfellas, where he got his, you know, shot in the foot. Uh, all guys that had been working, they were active workers. They were good actors, but they just written, didn't really have that break to break out and showcase what they could do. And that's what the Sopranos did. It hit at the right time. And, you know, we're still talking about it 25 some odd years later. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it definitely done something right there. What was, uh, what was your favorite character on the Sopranos? My favorite character on the Sopranos. Is it bad to say Tony? Um, is that too cliche? Cause I feel like I do that all the time. You can ask me that about the X-Men. I like Wolverine. Who's your favorite villain? I like the Joker. It seems like a cliche answer, but it's true though. That's <laughs> the one I found the most interesting. And uh, I mean, James never put a bad take on film. No, he never did. And I mean, that is usually the go-to answer. Maybe the better question is outside of Tony, who is your better favorite character? Because I'm, it's tough because I love that show so much. Paulie to me just makes me my laugh. Look, just looking at him, <laughs> some of his facial expressions. And then I really liked Uncle June's character. He had some of the best one-liners in that whole damn series. Yeah, Paulie would be my answer outside of Tony. Yeah, Paulie was funny. Now, Paulie was well, an actual wise guy. Like, he is no stranger to that. He was, he lived that lifestyle for a while. He had got arrested quite a few times. Uh, he had done some time. He was actually in jail when he seen a play being done. And that's where he kind of got the bug to be an actor. And then once he got out, he started landing roles in films. And he's in the HBO Gotti film that was done in 96. He's got a few roles here and there, some, you know, guest spots on there. He was actually one of the cops that came in in the movie um, Dead Presidents, where when after the robbery is over and they bust in and they have Chris Tucker there, he's sitting there OD'd in the room with the needle hanging out of his arm. One of the lead mm-hmm. cops to go in is actually Tony Sirico, who played Paulie Walnuts. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> a little bit of tidbit information for you, but, uh, I guess why don't we just get right into it here to our interview. And this was a fantastic interview, really laid back, really cool guy. We were able to set this up in a matter of days. I think I talked to John on a Friday and he's like, Hey, let's set it up for next Monday. And we did it, knocked it out, got it in the can. And I mean, just a fantastic interview. So without any further ado, let's get right into it here with our interview with Mr. John Fiore, star of the Sopranos here on crime and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, today on Crime and Entertainment, we have a very, very special guest. Now, this man has appeared in over 60 films and television shows, including Patriot's Day, Bleed for This, The Brotherhood, Meet the Parents, New York Undercover, NYPD Blue, Law and Order, and my most personal favorite TV show of all times, The Sopranos. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome actor John Fiori, how are you, pal? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show tonight. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. I love the show. I'm a fan of all you guys. Um, wh- where are you at right now? Where are you? Are you in Boston? I grew up in Boston, yeah, in my, my whole life. But now I'm in New Hampshire, which is really not far from Boston. Like yeah. The border is like within, you can be from in, in Boston and get to New Hampshire in 30 minutes. And then New Hampshire can go for a while. Right. Well, I'm in so- southern New Hampshire, which is kind of like Massachusetts right. at this point, you know? Now, but, yeah. 
I took a trip up there uh, probably a couple years ago with my family, and we went around Boston and then went to uh, Block Island. You ever been to Block Island? Yeah, man. I like Block Island. That's very cool. Yeah, you got to take the uh, boat out there and everything to sure. get there. Well, I'm assuming some people take a plane, but I took a boat. <laughs> yeah, I took, I was, I've been there once in my life. I went two years ago with a dear friend out of the blue. His brother had a boat. We stayed on the boat for this like wild weekend of drinking and staying on the boat. All Very right. cool. I haven't done it since. I want to do that more often. Probably just <laughs> recovering from it there. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you have such a capacity to drink in that environment, you can really, really do it. You know? Yeah. I know when it get when it gets that time around certain events and certain outings, my liver, I just kind of go ahead and prepare it. Cause right. it's, it's going to be that time, that type of uh, time there for sure. So Absolutely. now did you grow up in Boston? Is that where you grew up? Well, I, I did. It's a, it's a little, a town called Somerville, which is really an extension of Boston. It's just a, but I was born in Boston, lived, grew up in Somerville, which touches Boston. It's like here to there. Right. Um, and that was my territory. Boston, Cambridge, Somerville was where we spent our youth and you know younger days, all roaming around that territory. And there was quite a lot of action there. You know what I mean? Right. Well, now actually, crazy. The town I'm in here in Charleston, it's it's smaller town. It's Somerville also. It's spelled S U M M E R V I L L E. Yours is probably with an O, right? I'm guessing. It is. Okay. All right. So now when you say a lot of action around those parts, was there a lot of mob activity where you were at in the streets where you were at? Well, or? There was heavy mob. Yeah. The, the mafia was in its heyday when I was a young man, a boy, and, you know, into young men. The, the mafia was in full fledged. It hadn't been taken down yet. Boston and New England had quite, quite the organized crime family. Right. There was the Winter Hill gang, the Whitey Bulger. Yeah. Whitey Bulger. Right there. This was all happening really right before our eyes. From here to there, we could see these people. And we knew lots of stories and lots of people that were in it or close to it. You heard this, you heard that. But we were literally right in the eye of the storm. That's where we grew up. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I've, I've seen a lot of documentaries and, of course, checked out Black Mass about uh, Whitey yeah. Bulger and the Winterhill Gang. Yeah. Uh, the Brotherhood, which you were also in, wasn't that kind of loosely based on that? Not directly, but it, just kind of loosely? Yeah, you know something? The timing was everything. They wanted it to be more like the Bulgers. Right. But they couldn't get it together to shoot it in Boston, which would have been cool. Yeah. Right then and there, that would have made it more like the Bulgers. So they moved it down to Rhode Island where they're doing film tax incentives and all that kind of stuff like that. So they're able to pull it away from Boston and for whatever other reasons. Yeah. But it was, it was, I love Providence. They had their own history there. Yes. I do think that story would have better better fit in boston itself but yeah you know all right well when you were growing up there as a kid did you have aspirations to be an actor or was that just kind of something you got later or how did that come about for you it was really something later for me because i was going to college i had quit a couple of times work you know not part-time and um i was 26 years old when i graduated college um and i went to graduate and the registrar told me I didn't fulfill all my requirements, you know, all that stuff. And, right. and um, I said, well, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> and he said, you have to take something from this column and this column and that column. And I swear to God, just like that, I took acting like that. It was in the column of public speaking, voice and articulation, acting, and stuff like that. Right. And I just went, oh, well, and I did it. It wasn't like I was wanted to be an actor or anything like that. I did it. 
And I, I got I got the bug, as they say. You know what I mean? And I liked it a lot. And then from there, I started to, you know, really devote devote myself to it. Right. And went from there. And that's how it all really started, you know? Now, you, you get a couple of roles, but I guess probably your big break here is when you land Tony Profaci on Law & Order. Is that kind of your first yeah. breakthrough role there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of, of significance. You know, I had yeah. done some deep little things here and there that were big to me at the time, of course. But um, right. Law & Order was good because it was really, in the original, was sort of cutting edge. Right, yeah, know? yeah. And... um I got to hang around on the show for 10 years. So yes. that kept me in business as an actor, actually trying to stay, you know, financially relevant. And that right. was, I was able just from that alone to like, kind of like be in the machine. You know what I mean? Anything yeah. else I've got, I was in business. You know what I mean? Cause back then you had reruns. They don't have reruns in the classic sense like they did then. Right. So you did the episode in three months in, prime time on nbc it would be on again yeah you'd get the full you'd get the full hit of money yeah like, like you just did it so and then you get a residual for it was just a good system and it, it, oh, it yeah. kept me afloat well, it kept me going i bet so for nine seasons that's a long time for anything to stay mm -hmm. afloat especially these days yeah. but like you said law and order at the time was was so cutting edge everybody was glued to it so obviously you're, you're getting a lot of FaceTime there people recognize you yeah, for sure yeah um now you got involved with it. Now I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch that show. That was kind of in my party in heyday. So if it wasn't Sopranos or something like that, I didn't really sit down in front of the TV, but didn't you get involved with some, some mob activity in that show towards the end of your run there? What, what, weren't you I dead or did, something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there I was cruising along in my recurring role, which yeah. I was happy to do, you know, because sometimes they were a little, sometimes they're a little more, you know, it varied. Yeah. But you're there. So Dick, yeah, I'm there. And, I, you know, it was, it was good. So then they came to me and said, we're going to do a Sunday night TV movie of the week. Remember, that was a big deal. That, mm -hmm. They don't even have that's gone. That was yeah, a that's big out. Deal. The NBC Sunday night movie of the week was huge. So they said, this is going to be like a long order spinoff. Chris Knob had left the show mm -hmm. at that point. He was gonzo. And he was going to come back for this movie. And um, it was called Exiled. And, uh, I had a prominent role in that, but Dick Wolf told me this will this will be the end of you in Law and Order. And I was kind of sad about that. And he said to me, Well, how long can we really go? We've been on for 10 years already. <laughs> At that time, they're in uncharted territory. He right. went for another 10 years, let alone the spin-offs that subsequently came. Yeah, he's still going. The original, when I left, there's 10 more years of that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? And who knew? Nobody knew. Right. You know, so it was good. It was a good move. I had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Dick Wolf. I mean, he's, he's spinning them off still left and right. He did Chicago fire and out of Chicago fire spun Chicago PD with the Hank Voigt character. And then out of that spun Chicago med. So, I mean, that man knows what he's I mean, doing so, when it comes to TV shows. Yeah, he really does. And the fact is I don't watch any of those shows. I never even watched the full episode of law and order. To be yeah. honest with you, I, I just wasn't my thing. I, I, sound, I, wa I watched a cop half of it. Yeah. Until I came and when I was off, <laughs> see ya. I yeah. did. I wasn't into it. You know, I mean, it just wasn't into it. I don't really watch any network TV at all for yeah. a long time. Wow. It doesn't do it for me, you know? <laughs> well, so like I said, you go nine seasons on that. That's a long time. Now, you worked with Jerry Orbach on that show. Is that right? 
I did. I liked Jerry quite a bit. He was a wonderful man. He, uh, we were friendly. You know, we became friendly. And it was always a pleasure to see him and hang out with him. And um, he was so smooth, so so loved by everybody. Yeah, just, just a great guy. I really liked him a lot. Yeah, and and rest in peace to him. A great, wonderful actor. Now you know, there's some, I guess, uh, word around the campfires. He was supposedly in Umberto's clam house when they shot down Joey Gallo, supposedly. And he seen the you know, shooter, but he kept his mouth shut. That's that's the word. Well, he, you know, honestly, he never said that to me. I think, and it sounds crazy to say it this way, but I think I maybe heard what you just said. Yeah. Like later on in life. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. You know? Him and Gallo were supposedly pretty good friends. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I used to call Jerry the Prince of New York. Yeah. Remember the movie Prince of the City? Yeah. I called him the Prince of the City because he was that kind of guy. He was a real New York guy. And you know, he, he was, he was cool. He he was like the prince of the city. Yeah. So nothing would surprise me, you know? (laughs) Right. And like I said, that's, that's often been up for debate of who really did shoot Joe Gallo. I know Frank Sharon says he did. He says he killed Hoffa. He says he killed a lot of people from COVID. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. (laughs) So it it is what it is when you, what you believe, I guess. Um, So when you leave that, how long after were you out of, Law and Order, did you hear about The Sopranos? When did that come about? Um, well, not very long, really, because I think I left Law and Order in 98. Right. 98, 99, maybe. And um, I had, even after that, I, I appeared on a few things. Mm-hmm. Just hanging in. I wasn't super devastated by it at that point. The first year of Law, uh, Sopranos was on. I didn't watch it. I wasn't, you know plugged in then right i heard about it i heard it was great people were loving it oh yeah and um i ended up seeing uh the second half of season one a friend of mine had him on vhs <laughs> and then i guess oh i like this show oh i'd like to be on this show so in the second season now i got a call to go on an audition for it not knowing how long what would happen to me or anything nobody knows that right yeah so i went in for gg role and i got it and then from there you know i do what i did you go week by week yeah now did you read for anybody else other than gg or was gg all you read for that was it man that was that was the one only time i went in some guys i know went in there nine times got nothing yeah and they're good actors you know it's just now as anybody anybody that does acting i sit back now and say it's amazing anybody gets anything there's so many people. It's so hard. Yeah. Anytime I get something, even looking back, I go, how did I get anything? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, obviously you impressed some people. Um, was, was Once David in Chase in there alone? Was he in there when you read? He was in there. Yeah. He was in there. And, um, he seems to be quite an intimidating presence. Well, you know, it is. he's not yet, you know, there's a couple of forms of Italians in this world. He's not your gregarious type. Right. You know, I'm of the gregarious camp, but hey, you know, he's more like quiet, uh, quieter dude, which makes, you know, could, could be a bit intimidating. You can construe it that way. So I went in there, but he's a good guy, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, but he's, he's a little, you know, he's different in that way. Um, and I remember I didn't have much of an, you know, much material to even do with the audition. So it was all about a look, you right. know what I mean? It really was. Yeah. And it was about the bantering. 
in between because there was two, only two lines at the audition and they weren't even in sequence. You know what I mean? Wow, That's yeah. always the worst thing for an actor. Like, okay, my first thing is go over there, blah, blah, blah. okay, then like you flip five pages ahead and say something. It's just no, nothing. You can't, yeah, you can't get it, a you flow know? that way. There's no flow. So the flow took place in the banter. In the in in the in winning the room, shall we say? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's where the real audition took place for me. I wore these leopard shoes that I got from Law and Order, the, <laughs> my finale movie. From some other character wore them, and I took them. They were fancy shoes, like show. I call them show business shoes. Yeah. yeah. Or like rockabilly shoes or something. You know, I like them, <laughs> but you know, you don't wear them everywhere. So Gigi had a flamboyant description the way they wrote them down. So I wore them. And they're all when I went into the room, it was like 10 people. Like you hit with 10 people. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. They're all they're looking at you, like a mini audience. And I remember saying, You're gonna see a lot of good actors here today, but nobody's out acting these shoes. I felt this, I swear to God, the way they reacted, I said, I think I'm gonna get this. Yeah, you knew you had it. I mean, and and I, I got it because that was it. When I got to the line part of it, it was so little and it didn't really matter in a way. Yeah. It was about the look. We connected with that little moment. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, I, I, I'll go to my grave saying that's, that that got me the part. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it did the way you describe yeah. it. So you mm-hmm. come in on the opener of season two. Yeah. Now, you come in literally with a bang as you blow – the uh, Junior's Capo's head off there. That's actually the That's twin right. brother of Patsy, right? It was, uh, what was his name? Philly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, and now one of the things I love about The Sopranos is its attention to detail. Now, you're in that car with him, and you shoot him, I don't know if it was once or twice in the head. That's going to really hurt your ears. Now, in the movies, they might not always think to portray that, but you even actually, after you pull the trigger, you kind of do that number you know, signifying that it hurt your ears because in real life that would have definitely done some damage. That's yeah. the kind of attention to detail they have on that show. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of people have mentioned that over the years. A lot of people want to say to me, "Oh, what a great choice you did to do that!" Blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, it was written into the script. That's how, like you just said, it was detailed. It was that detail. It was written into the script that Gigi fires, shoots, and recoils and hurts his ears. And that's that's exactly what I did. I remember when we when we shot the scene, there was no loud noises at all. Right. When I went to shoot, it was literally this loud. Click, click. So I would go click and have this ah, scream like I was hurting my ears. I remember going, this is going to seem so phony. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was no noise. Right. Yeah. And I had to pretend it. So then when they when I saw it like with the gunshot sound put in there, it really worked well. But that was all written in there. You know? Yeah. Now, that character was played by Dan Grimaldi, and as we mentioned earlier, he went on to play Patsy, a guy that was in, you know, Tony's crew for for quite a while. Now, he was like one of about three people to play multiple people on the show. You had uh, Joseph Ganascoli. He was actually in there in a small role in the bakery, and then he came in as Vito later on. Um, I'm not sure of her name, but the actress that played Jean Cusimano... She also played her sister. Oh, that's correct. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And then there was one other girl, uh, Vanessa Valido. She played, and you were involved in that episode. She was Mustang Sal's girlfriend. 
Oh, that's right. For for a very quick second, you only see her for a second, and then later on, she's back in there dating little Paulie, and they're in a club with Christopher and Adriana. So, right. so very few people have done that, especially in a, a long-term capacity, but it does happen. And I heard the other day, uh, the lady that played Jean Cusimano, she was on the Talking Sopranos, and she said that you, if you have two characters in the show, then you get two checks. So that must be nice. Yeah, yeah, you get to. I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah, you I'm have a, to. Yeah, you need to come up with a way to play triplets or something like that, and a new pilot or something. Get you three that paychecks. Been nice. Yeah, I got a little t- tidbit for you. Dan Grimaldi is a great guy. You know, with friends, and um, we you know we hit it off from day one. That first day, that day I shot him. That was his first day. That was my first day. <clears throat> and um, they were shooting in Italy at that time. So we were the only two in New York on that set that day. Okay. Nobody but us two actors and this crew and the other crew and the other actors were in Italy. Right. And we didn't know them. You know, we saw the show, but we didn't know them. So Dan and I sat and spent that whole day together and shook hands. He goes, well, this is my one and only day in The Sopranos. Great meeting you and all that. <laughs> and I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know where I was going. Like, you do that, but you don't know. Right. You don't get this. Anyway, um, that's what happened. And then, of course, he came back as a twin. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad he did because he's a great guy and he's a great actor. So Yeah, and he, he played his part well in there. Now, now season two... It's probably my personal favorite of all of them. Yeah. It's it's hard to put one over the other. It's it's very hard. But season two is probably my favorite out of the I guess six with six having two parts. Some people say seven. What what's your opinion? What do you think is the best season out of them all? If you've watched well, you know them. something. I mean, I see those lists that people did put down. I see two and three mentioned quite a bit. Right. And um, I honestly, I mean, though I'm a fan of the show, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't like, I like to think of my time. <laughs> I'll say season three because I was involved in it. Right. And um, anything in the formative years, I liked all the seasons. Everything was good, you know, yeah. but I, I, I like three, you know. Yeah. Um. In season two, did you have very many scenes with David Praval? That played Richie April. Did you have very many scenes with him? No, I don't. I only had one. That little flashback scene in season four, when I'm long dead, I get a call to appear in a dream sequence or a dream moment, shall we right. say? And David and I are sitting in the back seat of a car together, and the entire scene, oh, the test of, you know, yeah, Tony driving, and just goes like this, looks back, and there we are, and that was our day's pay. That's all we had to do. <laughs> Easiest day ever. <laughs> yeah now he in season two was a real presence uh for, for tony yeah he's, I mean, he's my favorite bad guy on the show i didn't notice favorite. it because i was really young but at the time you know i rewatched movies that i watched when i was younger and by this time i had seen the sopranos and my son we would rewatch movies that i did when i was young and we were watching monster squad i don't know if you remember that movie and I, I remember the name. Yeah, it's it's basically where like all the monsters come to life, like Dracula and Frankenstein and all that. But in the beginning, when they're flying the coffins that has these monsters in them, they fall out of the airplane. But one of the pilots in there 
is David Praval, and I'm sitting there with my son, you know, watching it, and I'm like, yeah, I remember this as a kid. Hey, that's Richie Aprile, and he's like, who? And I'm like, yeah. well, no, not really, but that's that's who it is. That's how I know him. Uh, yeah, because Dave David is first of all a top top level actor, absolutely and a great guy. I, I love him. I mean, we we. we friendly, you know, I'm not going to over-exaggerate it, but we did a couple of autograph shows together. We spent full weekends together. And uh, I saw him not, I saw him briefly in this last event in Atlantic City, just because there's so many people. Right. But he's a, he's a great actor, and I thought that Richie Aprile, I mean, he only did, what, like 16 episodes or whatever? It seems like a lot more. He was just in season two. That was it. Yeah, he was, to me, the best nemesis for Tony. I think I, so. Yeah. You know, and, and a, lot, a lot of people, you know, you know, it is with the Sopranos when it's when it's happening, you know, the one season complete, you know, and there's new seasons coming. People tend to forget about what took place. Right. Or, you know, if the focus on the present moment. Right. The next show. Boom, boom, boom. And now that it's said and done and it's hanging on a museum wall, all six seasons for people to analyze. That's why we all get so much mail and interest all these many years later from all over the world. Absolutely. Really, it's a phenomenon. But David, you know, some of the people that said to me way back when that they didn't really, not that they didn't like him, but they didn't like him or whatever. Yeah. Years later, go, he he was the best guy. He was the very authentic sort of mob guy. Some yeah. Mob guys that I came across in my life. Yeah. He was realistic. Oh, I mean, and you he know? embodied that. I mean, right off the rip, his first day out of jail, he's threatening to beat Christopher on the sidewalk for hitting Adriana. <laughs> He's out, what, 48 hours, and he's done run over Beansy and paralyzed oh. him. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's talking down to Tony. He's cussing out Paulie, telling him to build a ramp up to his ass. I mean, just. Oh, he's great. He's yeah, I mean, great. there's nobody. I mean, some people irritated certain people on the show. Like, Ralphie got up under Paulie's skin as well as Tony's, but David Praval just gave it to everybody. I mean, women, too. Janice, it didn't oh, matter. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he was great. He was he was really really something. I wish he stuck around more. But that's the whole thing with the sh- the show. You know right. I, mean? I read sometimes people say, "I wish Gigi stuck around. I wish this guy stuck around. I wish that guy yeah. stuck around." You don't know what's going to happen. You know. I mean, yeah. Of course, I wish things could have been a little different for me on the show. But right, it is what it is. You know. And I think David said in an interview that he interviewed for Tony or read for Tony, and David Chase told him he said, "You're just you're too on the money." For this, I need somebody a little less threatening almost. And, but he said, I, I think I've got something for you later on. And that's, you know, I think it was done yeah. the right way because he nailed Richie yeah, Priel yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, how many episodes in season two were you in? I don't know if it was one or two or what. Honestly, I don't even know at this point. Because you're in there that's a lot in the opener. Like yeah, what's good? I was in back-to-back openers because right. between season two, right? Remember, see, between season two and season three was such a break. Yeah, was that the writer strike? The yeah, yeah. They showed the shooting again at the in the first episode of season three. I went, "It's good for me." Yeah, I lead off the seasons, you know, because they had to remind people of what the hell happened. Yeah, you know, so many months ago, over a year ago. Well, and it's funny you say that it was. When I first started watching the show, I was I was going to college, so I was kind of busy, and I didn't really, you know, get into it. I love mafia films. I was, you know, big fan of Casino, Goodfellas, King of New York, stuff like that. So I was like, I need to sit down and watch the show. And it was like the first season came, the second season came, and three was be- fixing to come out. 
And I went by a pawn shop one day just looking around and they had the DVDs in there, which, you know, those DVD sets were damn near like a hundred dollars, you know, at, back in those days. Oh, yeah. And right. they had them both in there for 20 bucks and I didn't have HBO at house of time. And I was like, well, I'll try that. I flew through them. I don't even think I went to bed and yeah. it was just bam, bam, bam. And I'm waiting on season three. After that, I ordered HBO. I was there every Sunday and sure, yeah. you know, it was, it was on after that. Um, what do you think your favorite episode of season two was? Of two? Yeah, of two. Um, well, for me, I mean, I don't have a, a, a real recall of a lot of, I mean, I know the episodes, I've seen right. them all, of course. I mean, shoot, the shooting scene for me was an exciting episode to, to pull off something like that. I mean, I grew, grew up reading newspapers about gangland hits every day. Or right. Where I came from. And just see the pictures, those classic pictures that we've all come to yeah. know and love, right? Yeah. So I got to do, I got to do a real gangland hit. So that that episode was uh, a favorite of mine. Yeah. But you know something, I, I love so many of them. Yeah. You know, it's hard because I mean, two's got so many good episodes. If I would probably have to pick Funhouse, which was the finale where they kill Big Pussy. I love Funhouse. Yeah. Uh, the only I think th- I'm shining. I think I'm shining Dan Grimaldi's shoes in that one. You in might dream sequel. Is that when Tony pours the gasoline on? Yes, the yes, and that's what I was gonna say. That was the only thing about Funhouse that I was just a little thrown off by was the whole dream sequence and how he found out that you know Pussy was ratting by the fish talking. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You're shining his shoes, and y'all are on the boardwalk I'm there. His shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was. I think that's. That was my entire bit in that episode. That's all I had to do, you know? Yeah. Well, when they got him on the boat, that was just, I mean, everybody on there had done real well. Vinny Pastor killed that death scene. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. It, you know, really remember. And I, I like the song that closed it out, too, the Rolling Stones through and through. Yeah. I thought that scene, that montage at the end with the water and Tony recovering yeah. from his sickness when he lit that cigar. To me, that's the epitome of Tony Soprano at his apex. Yes. Remember that? It was such a great shot in the song. I mean, you can't even think of it without the song now. Right. So perfectly married together. And when he lit that cigar with that backdrop of those cuts, yes. I thought he was like, like you know, he had so many great moments and looks, but that was right up there. I always loved yeah. that. And they actually opened the uh, show with that. It's one of the only ones, I think. There might be a few, but I know that's one of the very few that open and close the show. Cause it opens in that montage where everybody's kind of handing each other money right. at the table and all that. And then the closing, like you mentioned with Jimmy lighting yeah. the cigar there, that was, that was some classic mm. stuff for sure. Um, Very so powerful. going into three, you, you become a little bit more prominent in the storylines and stuff. What was probably your most memorable moment from season three as a whole? Well, I like the scene where I'm, I'm warning uh, Tony about the twin. We're going to have problems with the twin. Yes. And um, that little diatribe I gave there, that was probably my favorite because it was a good little long scene for me and uh, mm-hmm. always great to act with James. And, uh, yeah, I liked that a lot. I remember Danny and I talking. Danny said, you're going to kill me again. <laughs> the way the script was going because I had – fear about the twin right and you know something i go you know i go i know it seems like maybe i will i could who knows you know and he says you're gonna kill me again <laughs> and uh we all know what happened of course so no i did not kill him again right yeah, but that's i remember us kidding around talking about that because you didn't really know 
Yeah, I remember even Tony, Tony Sirico coming up to me, and here I was an in and out player on the show. He's a staple, asking me if I knew anything. <laughs> so paranoid people were <laughs> like about the next script, like get killed. I go, how the hell do I know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we just did an interview with a uh, JD Williams, and he was in Oz. If you remember, that was kind of HBO's yeah. first groundbreaking uh, groundbreaking prison episode there. And he said that it was kind of around the set where if you were late or you missed a reading or a shoot that you would get put into a rape scene and not be the, the, on the pleasurable end of that. (laughs) It was kind of how they had people to be on their P's and Q's there. I imagine the Sopranos was a lot of the same way. If you wasn't, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, they'll have to go ahead and take you on out. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, when you get taken out, you always wonder why you were taken out. Right. Let me just backtrack to Oz for a minute. That's the only show I, I had a part in that I regretted not taking it. I was a prison guard. I think the name was Patrillo. I'm not sure. Rings a bell. Anyway, yeah. my agent at the time uh, advised me not to take it to hold out for something better. And I shouldn't have listened to him. Yeah. Yeah. That but was anyway, a good show. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I Because he goes, Tom, Tom Fontaine. He goes, Tom knows you. I did a pilot for Tom that didn't go anywhere. A couple of years before that. Yeah. The guy goes, Tom knows you. He'll come back at with something, but he never, it never happened. Yeah. But I, if I got in there, that prison guard, I might have hung around for a while. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I think it ran for, prison. yeah, six, six seasons or so. And I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, a lot of people relate to the Sopranos. You know, a lot of people relate to the wire, you know, but I think everybody can relate to Oz because nobody wants to go to prison. And if you do, you're going to think about, you know, what happened on that show. And that's just, yeah, no, that's heavy duty. Yeah, they got away um, with a lot back in those days on that show. A lot more than you can get away yeah. with now, for damn sure. <laughs> Times have changed, haven't they? Yeah. Yes, they have. Incredibly. In the wrong direction. Yeah. So, in season three here, there's a lot of big arc. You kind of have an arc there. Jackie Jr. obviously becomes a playing factor. And then Ralphie, who's, you know, obviously a pain in the ass of you and a number of others, including Tony. What was it like working with uh, Joe Pantaleone on that set? I loved Joe Pantaleone. He was great. Everybody liked him. He was a fun guy. You know, some of his, you know, the, the roles he's done, you can see his personality and peeks through. He's a fun guy to be around. Very enjoyable, very, very easy to be with and hang out with and act with. Right. Regular and cool. And used to bring pastries in on his own, you know. Like from where, someplace in New Jersey, where he came from. And he's great. Gigi, unfortunately, was a plot device type character. Yeah. You know what I mean, they could have maybe done something a little different here and there. But right. Essentially, they put me in, in a, I guess, the character in a bad position mm-hmm. that something had to happen. Yeah. I wish it was a little more banging of heads before it happened. Right. And not, and I wasn't crazy about obviously the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, who would be? Well, yeah, would we'll be? get in there. We'll get to that in just a yeah. second. Cause I mean, who in the world of all the ways people die on that show, that's, that's definitely one that, uh, I, it's memorable. Oh. I guess you can say that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that. I guess. <laughs> now in season three, you work a lot with Jimmy Gandolfini, you know, in your one-on-ones, like you alluded to earlier, what was Jim like to work with as an actor? He just seems like one of the most solid guys you'd ever come across. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, he's a phenomenal actor. The guy's phenomenal. And, um, and there's just a connection. He was the daddy of the show, if you will. Right. You know I mean, he's a bear of a man. And um, 
super, super, super guy and actor. So doing scenes with him, there's a, a true comfort. You know what I mean? When you're in working with a guy like Todd. Right. And it's just, it makes you better. You feel better. Just, just a treat. Really. I'm so glad that I've had two or three direct moments with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, for uh, sure. On that show. So. Yeah, I mean, and he took that role and he ran with it. I mean, he wasn't your typical wise guy from Casino or Goodfellas or anything no. like that. You know, he was, you know, he was chubby. He was balding. He was everything that you wouldn't think that they would cast in a leading man in that show. And he took it and he ran with it better than anybody I think could have done. Whoever. Oh, yeah. 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 Now he, you know, you, you imagine these other roles in movies that, you know, yeah. you hear like who, who turned down the role. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. This is a role. This is a character. No man on this earth. Yes. Could have played Tony Soprano better than him. Now, other famous movies with famous actors and famous roles. You know, he was good, but so and so would have been good. Yeah. Too. This one would have been good too. This one, this one here with him, I it's really hard to imagine the show even being as phenomenal. I mean, it couldn't have been. The guy was the the he's the son in that universe of that show. Everybody else, all these are great roles. Right. It evolves around, you know, he was the man that held it together. He was phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And I mean, just, you can't say enough good things about him. Rest in peace to, you know, Jim, James Gandolfini. We're talking about eyes. Yes. Those eyes he had. Yeah. So nobody from almost like a dumb little boy look, right. Yes. When he had that persona going on, to when he was pissed off and angry, mm-hmm. it was extreme on both ends. That's a gift. People don't have that. You know, yeah. like to be able to do that like that. It's just like and- I was. I rewatched the show all the time. I just kind of pick a random episode, and I was watching one the other day, and it was in season six. It was right after he got out of the hospital, and he's riding with the kind of muscled up guy that he winds up beating up later on. Yeah. And he's he's sitting in the car. And you see his eyes look at him and just kind of up and down him and, and size him up. And it's like he's doing a scene, but he's just doing it with his eyes. And that's not something everybody oh, yeah. can pull off. Yeah, no, he, he his eyes. I think David Chase even, I he, think I read he, something once he mentioned yeah. his eyes. And anybody that watches knows, you know, you, you know it, notice it, I notice it. Yeah. That, you know, that was a gift he had born with it, but a gift. He's a true gifted actor and, uh, that's what made him. That's what made Tony Soprano so compelling, right? You know, like like I just thought it amazing. It's mind blowing, yeah. really. And we talked about Joey P uh, earlier. Joey Pants. The first episode, my wife. We we had just. This was actually her first time coming to my house. We weren't married at the time. We had just. You know, we were talking in the dating phase, and she comes over to my house, and I'm watching Sopranos, and it was when they finally kill him. Uh, when Tony kills him in the kitchen. And Christopher and him are dismembering the body. She comes in about that time and sits down on a couch. And I'm like, oh, I'm watching The Sopranos. And Christopher goes to chop his head off. And the wig comes off. And they have a little laugh about that. And then finally they take the head off and the hands and put them in the bag. And she's getting up about to leave. She's like, hey, you just called me when this is over. And I'm like, ah, it's on DVR. We'll pause it. I'll I'll go back to it later. (laughs) I think she was looking at me sideways like, what the hell is this guy watching? But yeah, he was a memorable character for sure. Like uh what university where he beat up Tracy outside. I mean, that's a brutal scene. And then you and I him mean, get into great. it a bunch. The was great. He's not your typical like mob type guy you'd see in a movie. He was right. totally different. Like the, the guys like 
I mentioned earlier that grew up in Boston. There was no mob guys that looked like Joe Pantoliano right. as Ralph. And and you didn't really have any reference in movies of that sort of mob guy being looking like that. Yeah. But he pulled it off and he was great. He was really great. He was really irritating to a lot of people in a oh, good yeah. way. Yeah, and you, I mean, you get you get heated a couple of times when he's in the hospital and he cracks the joke. Uh, I forgot oh, about great. the guy there. And then, you know, <laughs> you're trying to tell him, look, you're going to end up on a slab if you don't straighten up. And he's he's right. not not listening to you. Yeah. So so you're, how do you get the call that they're getting you off the show? Do they, does David Chase call you or how does that work? He did call me and uh, this was pre-cell phone. Right. So there was a message on my, you know, my answering machine at home right back in the day so it was a friday morning i wasn't in that particular episode that right. happened a lot that happened even back to like some of the main guys like maybe paulie walnuts missed one here here and there right yeah so i did it did a couple did a couple did a couple script comes out i'm not in that one i go i'm not alarmed i don't take it as a you know uh-oh or anything like that so but that means you're out of there for about eight nine days whatever it was right you know, shoot one so I got a call on my, my home phone message uh, in the morning, but I missed the call like you did back then. So when I went to call him back, he was unavailable, David Chase. Mm-hmm. And then finally at 5 p.m., we connected, and he said, this is a call I hate to make, and you know what that means. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, I remember analyzing his voice in the first call because he sounded – it's not upbeat. He didn't sound negative either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He sounded like, he didn't go, hey, John, and then give me a call, please. <laughs> but he wasn't way up, but it was more on the upside than the downside. You see? Yeah. So I'm going, this has got to be good news. Yeah. This has got to be about the contract. This has got, I really thought it was something good. I swear to God, I, for some reason, did not think it could be what it was. Yeah. I didn't think it. I just didn't. So when he called and said that, I, I went, oh, my God. And it was like a real death. So if you heard me, I'd go, oh, my God, when? How? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like if you were listening, you would think I, I just got news that somebody died for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as an actor, when you're on a show like that, new friends, job, money, the greatest show, even then. Yeah. You can tell, like, it was like, this is the show to be on. Yeah. Even in this third season, right? So... Who wants to go home? Who wants to be cut from the team? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, but I still had like eight days to go, though. Yeah. So, I got, so he called me, told me all that. I pleaded a little bit. Yeah. And he, you know, he said, hey, man, this is the way it is. But I still had to do that episode. I had like eight days of work still to do. So, even when I went back, though I was a dead man walking, right? as I was there, you almost forgot. You go, well, I still got seven days or well, six days now. Well, five days. We go into next week. So, I, you know, it seemed like, well, it's still a long time in the future. But, of course, yeah. it goes by fast. Mm-hmm. And that's how that went, you know? Now, I think the way Paulie put it was, maybe it's an Italian version, the Pisha Do. You go out on the shitter of all the places. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some people write me, they say, what did you do to piss David Chase off? Why were you written off? Did you want more money? Did you do none of those things are true, by the way? No, zero. And I heard on some podcast that he was on, maybe the one with the other two guys that have the, the podcast, right? and Pilioli. Yeah. 
somebody told, he said to me only two people didn't like getting news of their death or whatever. He mentioned me and Al Sapienza. Yeah. So people wrote to me going, yeah, he even mentioned, he pissed them. I go, no, it's, it's, it's a perfect example of how things get twisted and all like messed right. up. It, it wasn't like that at all. It's very like, don't do it. Come on. Come yeah. on. Think of another way to do it. Please, David. No, 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 no. We like you, John. We like you. Yeah, but, 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 but. Anyway, hey, this is what we're doing. I go, fuck it. Okay, then. All right. That's what it is. Boom. But that's it. There was no beef about it. You know, it was no, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now, the guy you just mentioned, that was what? That was Mikey Palmisi, right? He played Mikey Palmisi from the yeah, first season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was a great character in the first season. Definitely kind of oh, carried yeah, that, uh, you know, role over there with Junior on the other side there. He carried that great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So both of us, you know, obviously, you know, you don't want to go. And if any person, any person would say, come on, if somebody called you with that kind of news, you're on a show, you wouldn't go like this. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot. Hey, have a great day. Put up a little, a yeah. little bit of something. Yeah. Try to so try to talk them out of it. <laughs> so it was really the how thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, did he well, tell you it how a, it was a double whammy? First, the bad news. I'm like, oh no. Then you gather yourself and you go, well, how then? And then he told me, I go, seriously, how? He goes, that is what we're doing. I go, oh, I have kids in school. This, this is terrible. Please. Take I go, I want to go out like Sonny at the toll booth. Yes. Or I want to go out, I want to go out in the saddle or something. <laughs> Oh, everybody gets shot. Yeah, this is something memorable. I go, oh my god, and you know, I mean, I, that's what I had to do. You know, yeah, the, <laughs> the turkey sandwiches. I think you alluded to that right before they happened. Is, is giving I you do. some stomach trouble. That did David oh. Chase is the one that told you that's how you were going to go. He told you how. He told me everything on that yeah. fateful phone call. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. mean that and. You know, again, the last interview we did, you know, with, with J.D. Williams, he was talking about how an, a death scene can be something great as an actor. You know, if you pull it off right, it can kind of be your, your send-off and how people remember oh, yeah. you. You don't really have that opportunity. They're knocking on the door. They're trying to get in there. One of them's got to go to the bathroom, and you're just, you're there. That's oh, a, I mean. It kind of loses the whole buildup for you to, to give that death yeah, scene. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. A lot of people write no nobody thinks it's cool i mean it could, you know what i'm saying yeah it just was anticlimactic right it seemed too quick too abrupt too almost ridiculous in a way yeah and i mean they yes. had a you know, their quirks yeah, people, funny quirks about it afterwards but yeah. yeah 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 i mean people do die that way in real life apparently they do yeah but still though still <laughs> was it compelling i mean even as a, if i step outside myself right you know, I've, I've read the comments over the years. It was too convenient, too easy, just like, what a like shitty, pardon the pun, oh, yeah. to just brush <laughs> something aside and be done with it. You know what I mean? And move on. Yeah. I just wish, I don't, I mean, again, I just wish there was a little more. And if there could have been a little zippier, like, departure. Yeah, yeah better exit, so to speak. Right, right, right. Because everybody else that had your role on that show of that captain, I mean, you got Ralph, you got Vito. I mean, you know what? We talked about it earlier. Ralph gets his head cut off. Vito gets beat to death with a baseball bat, and apparently it rammed up his ass and, and everything else. There was a lot of bad mojo for that spot you had, but yet you went out Everybody. that way. Yeah. That was Richie April's crew, too. Yeah, Richie Everybody. April, too. Yeah, yeah. So he was cut up that in the pork cursed, store. A cursed crew. 
Absolutely. I think at the end, I think they gave it to Paulie and he even mentions that he's like, I don't know T everybody that took that, takes that job has a bad ending or something along right. those lines. So yeah, yeah. Everybody in there. Me in the last episode, I think, uh, Tony says, Paulie says something. He goes, Hey, Gigi died taking a shit. <laughs> I think it's a very final episode because Paulie was rehashing. Yes. Things. And they were sitting outside the pork store. There's <laughs> right, a good memorable exactly right. photo of those two guys. During yeah. doing that scene, how was Tony Sirico to work with on the set? Oh, he was great. I I hear the stories, man. He seems like somebody that I would love to meet. I just oh. I get a kick out of his facial expressions when I'm watching it with my wife. She watches it with me now because she's actually a counselor, so she has a more appreciation of the show as a whole. Watching it from the start of you know, especially the counseling sessions with Melfi, but she's watched the other stuff too. I get such a kick out of his facial expressions, man, when he's upset or, or whatever, his little laugh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. I don't know if yeah. he meant to be that way, but he was almost more funnier than not most of the time. Oh, he's hysterical. I mean, he's pretty close to that guy. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a skill. He loved James Cagney. And if you think of Jimmy Cagney, Tony used to say that he wanted to be Jimmy Cagney. Well, he was a modern day gangster, Jimmy Cagney. Yeah. You know, kind of doing, even if that was his one and signature thing, it was so great. Yes. That it's so transcendent. You didn't need to do a lot of different things. Yeah. He was so great, so perfect, so hysterical. And he was a lot of fun to be around, man. He was really, really good to be around. Yeah, I bet he was. And he's talked on some interviews, you know, about his, you know, life of crime. And I think he yeah. said he actually got the itch to act in jail. He's seen a play in jail. And yeah, that's kind of yeah, how he yeah, did. He, so, Yeah, he would he would talk acting, you know, very humble, very, you know, just, just very cool. Very cool. So out of season three, obviously, that's where you leave off. What, what was probably your favorite episode of season three? <laughs> I think when I'm talking about the twin. Yeah. You know, because you know something I, I like, I don't really have the recall right. of like episodes and the yeah. titles so much. Yeah. It's, well, it's hard because you're, yeah, yes, yes, it is. Uh, okay. Well, that's, see, that stands out because that's legendary. Everybody loves yes. it. I'd have to go. I'd have to go with that one. I would show Pine Barrens to anybody and I wouldn't have to worry about telling them the backstory to any of the characters. Right. You can put on that show and it's two mob guys going to collect. They think they kill him. They get lost in the woods. Their boss is mad at him. That's a movie by itself. Oh, but, oh my. <laughs> but happening in that show, it is, I mean, him with the hair and he loses his shoe. And I oh mean, my it, God. Tony mad on the phone and, and they breaking up and they can't hear each other. It's, it is it's, fucking classic, man. Isn't it unbelievable? It's so <laughs> insanely great. It's just off the charts great, isn't it? The yeah. writing, the acting, all everything, of it, every moment of it. And the, the detail, I mean, when he's like, you know, guys with the interior ministry, and then he hangs up, he's like, you know, I got to believe this. The guy was an interior decorator. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I lose it, man, every time that happens. It's, it's definitely yeah, my know. favorite it's, episode it's, of the oh, third yeah, season. Yeah, so I, I would say that one, you know, obviously. So that that's a great one. Now, Steve Buscemi directed that one, um, did, was he directing any of them that you were involved in? Because I know he was a no, part of that. No, I didn't really get. I didn't really cross paths with him on that show. Yeah, he didn't come on yeah. role wise until the fourth season, but I think he directed I, the one, the Pine Barrens, in the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I didn't really see him. 
So, I mean, about being on the set there with some of the guys, I mean, I've heard some stories, but the, the food and the catering there, I bet, was out of this world. It was like being at a top Italian restaurant every day of the week. The food would be, you know, the table would be like five long tables, one after the other. Wow. And then you'd go in the, uh, you know, look, shoot inside for a little bit and come back, and they would change things out. There'd be new things put out. And this would be out, and then there was lunch, and then other stuff laid out. It was just incredible. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, even today, that show, you know, rewatchability is very high because it's timeless. Other than the, the cell phones that people have and maybe the computer size of some of the times when you see people on the computers, that show could air tomorrow. It's just it's timeless. It really, truly, legitimately holds up well. And um, the proof, you know, I mean, well, our own eyes, what we know. But like I said, there's so many young people that were literally not even born or just born when yes. it came on. Or they were five years old or whatever. And they are as fanatical as guys my age, your age. And they're young, young people. They were like maybe 10 when it went off the air. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that tells you a lot right there, you know. Well, I recommend that show to everybody that I talk to if they haven't seen it. That's kind of like my go-to, like, hey, how are you? How you doing? Have you ever watched The Sopranos? Yeah. You know, that's like the third on the list. And I recommend it to everybody who haven't seen it. And I love getting people that say, oh, I like mob movies, but I never watched The Sopranos. And I'm like, you got to just call out of work for a couple of days. Get your, put in some vacation <laughs> time. Whatever you got to do, go bang it out. It's the best show you're ever going to see. Um, Absolutely. So, so when you leave, did you still watch the show after you left? Did you watch it or did you kind of just, I I did, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, obviously I was disappointed to go, sad to go. I still watched the show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was friends with with all the people, most of the people that you saw, at least at that time frame. Yes. Of course, new people came. I didn't know them, but the ones I, and I saw them and they were friends and I liked the show. I liked the show before I was on it. Right. And I liked it after I was on it. You know what I mean? So I was a fan of the show. So you guys, and we talked earlier uh, before we went on air, you probably see a lot of the guys, especially at the, you just had a Sopranos con and what was that? Atlantic city. Yes. And it was fun. I mean, I saw a bunch of guys from the show, you know, and uh, I talked to a few others here and there. Of course I live here. They live there, but you know, it's, it's a small acting world really. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, those shows are great for those conventions for a multitude of reasons. They're yeah. very worthwhile. They do you make a few bucks, you see your friends, you you talk to fans, and it's just yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's like getting paid to go to a family reunion type deal because you guys were <laughs> a family, I guess in both senses of the word on that show, you know, the bond yeah. you had. It's not like where there's tons of people. It's, it's just you guys. So you gotta you gotta develop well, bonds yeah. strong on there. Oh, absolutely, because when you do acting, a lot of times you're in a little dressing room by yourself all day. Yeah. There's no, you know, like this show here, you go to The Sopranos, any given day there would be 20 Italian guys all hanging around. (laughs) All of us actors, all of us similar backgrounds. Right. Just hanging around craft service table on The Sopranos going, is this unbelievable or what? I love it. How did Mama Luke's like us end up on the show? (laughs) You know, just our minds were blown. Other shows... You can sit your tiny little trailer for 10 hours at a time before they come and knock on the door and say, we need you now. Yeah. And there's no one. If you step out, you look left and right. There's no one to hang around with. <laughs> They're stuck up or this or that, or it's yeah. not that kind of show. 
and you're just there like this. Yeah. And you do it and you say, I can't, yeah, you leave. You know what I mean? Yeah, never a dull moment, I guess, probably on that show. Who was the no, biggest wisecracker out of all of them? Yeah, you don't, you don't have to sit in your dressing room and put it that way by yourself. Yeah. That show. Who was probably the biggest jokester out of everybody on the cast? I, I mean, I would say James, maybe. I don't have any specific, you yeah. know, thing they can mention to you. you know, everybody was pretty upbeat. Everybody was kind of funny. But James, was kind of, you know, he was the leader and um, he's kind of a joker, but and I can't say specifically what. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, now, have you seen the Many Saints of Newark trailer? I am not. Uh, yes, yes, I did see the trailer. I'm not going to say it, but I see it in advance. I did see the trailer. Wow, the trailer, uh, it. I won't lie to you, it gave me chills hearing Jim's voice, seeing his younger son, Michael, yeah. who's playing him in that phone booth. It. I mean, I'm not kidding. It literally gave me chills hearing his voice, seeing him yeah. there. It, it looks really well done. I won't, I'll admit I was kind of worried because of the COVID and the delays. And I was just like, delays like that can kill a movie. The The morale's not the same. The hype's not the same. But it looks like it's going to be fantastic. I, I think it's going to be really good. Really good. I wouldn't be surprised if they turned that into a series. It, it, it probably could because, I mean, well, like. I'm sure they, if they want to, they could easily just say oh, yeah. doing it. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if we read about that. I don't know anything by any right. means. But as a fan, as an observer, go. It would be a license to have the number one show on HBO out of the gate. Oh, rap. Absolutely. Right? You're number one. You just go right to the top. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I know I'd, I'd watch it. And I mean, oh. like I said, this movie looks like it's going to be good. I know the, I was waiting on the, the newer Gotti movie that Travolta did for a long time. Cause I was excited about him doing it. And at a time, Al Pacino was cast in it. Joe Pesci was cast in it. So I was like, this is going to be something good. And then, the more time went by, there was script rewrites and Al dropped out or left. And then Joe Pesci, I think he even wound up suing him. He put on a bunch of weight to play Angelo Ruggiero and then he got recast. So he sued him. So, he, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's not a, the worst film I'd ever seen, but it's definitely not the best. And it was because a lot of people, you know, got watered down. Willie DeMeo's in it. He does a good job playing Sammy the Bull. He was in the yeah. uh, Sopranos there for the last uh, season or two. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's not going to be the case with this. I don't think so by looking at that trailer. By I don't any think means. so. I saw some, some article the other day. It's, I, I think the, the guy who wrote it, a reviewer of some kind, saw the right. movie pretty much, pretty much raving about it. You know, I think, I, I think I read that they, in this long hiatus here, or with many saints, they shot 15 new pages yes somewhere along the way yes i read that the other day yeah and i think that put it probably put it over the top as far as yeah there you go that's the movie yeah right? that's what you want to put in there yeah i mean yeah. it's coco diaz joey coco diaz he's in there um yeah. it, i can't wait man it looks like it's gonna be fantastic so after you leave the sopranos what, what comes up next uh, i know you do the guiding light does that come up next after that or when does that fall in Oh, you cut out for a minute, but did you ask me about what I'm doing next? Yeah, well, like after The Sopranos, what was kind of your next big reoccurring oh, there? Yeah, so I did a long run, believe it or not, on Guiding Light. Yeah. The Mob Boss. I was the Tony Soprano. Okay. In this little, this little soap opera town. Yeah, well, you were Saler- uh, uh, Sal Salerno or something like that? Vince or? Salerno. Vince Salerno, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I got to be the kingpin, but you're on a daytime soap opera. 
you're still acting, still getting paid tax. So that's good. Yeah. And getting paid well, but you couldn't have been, you know, one thing's here and one thing's here. You're on two different planets. Yeah. And that you was know? my next question was what was it like comparing the two? Cause I mean, obviously they're, you know, a whole different setup than the Sopranos. You're weekly on yeah. Sopranos. That's our, or one episode well, a week. That. And yeah, I mean, I got to have tons of lines on that show. I had I'm the guiding light. I had so many lines. Yeah. That if nothing else, it proved that at that time I can remember a lot of lines every day. <laughs> And it was a lot. There was some, lots of comedy in there. Lots of far fetched, as you know, in soaps. A lot of far fetched scenarios. Right. So you go from being serious to like these weird kind of, you know, things where I'm seeing a psychic or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Something yeah. Like that. And uh, I grew to like it. I mean, it wasn't like being on The Sopranos, of course. Right. But it was really easy in a sense because in the soaps, if you could just say the lines one take, you're done. Yeah. You don't get a second take. They don't want to do a second take. Right. If you ask for a second take, they won't even let you do it. They're like, nope, we're good. Wow. They're pumping through pages, man. They're pumping a hundred pages. A oh day. yeah, yeah. They got to go. So you got to, you know, you got to know your stuff, and uh, boom, boom, boom. You know. So it was, it was good training too. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't hate it. You know. So uh, not long after that, you is that when you land on the Brotherhood? And you're also playing a mob guy in that as well? Yeah, I mean, I did some things that sprinkled in here and there yeah, all so. along the way. You know what I mean? But yeah, that was that that seemed to be a significant sort of thing at the time. That was a show that uh I wish it came out now or later. You know what I yeah. mean? The timing the timing wasn't right for that because there's no reason that couldn't be a smash smash hit. Oh yeah. That was a that was a cult show. It really didn't have the numbers. Yeah, the, the the critics like it. People that saw it liked it, but it just back then HBO was here, Showtime was here. Right now, it's not yeah, it's, like that anymore. Yeah, it's, you know I mean? it's close, if not shifted. Now, yeah, and, and I was late to the party on that show. I don't think I watched it when it was live. I think I bought the box set and went through yeah. it pretty fast. And then yeah. obviously, I seen you in there towards the end. That was a great show. A lot of those guys. I mean you know, killed those roles. What was the guy? He was kind of the leader before the Michael Caffey character came back. Uh, it was kind of bald guy. I can't remember his name from the show. Oh, he was uh, in the it. Actor or the ca- that, character well, or? well, yeah, the actor's name. I think he would have been a perfect fit in the Sopranos for somebody. Not Kevin Chapman. Was it Kevin? I think it was. He ran the gang that Michael Caffey came back to. It might've been Kevin yeah, Chapman. Yeah, because, I mean, he's very Irish, great guy. Yes, great yes, Irish, that's him, yes. Yeah, he was, uh, him and Michael used to go against each other yes. to run that, that gang. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's a Boston guy, and we've done a few, a few things together. We're yeah. in Coda, a movie coming out next week on Apple TV. But Yes. Um, yeah, he's he's great. He's done quite quite well for himself. That show there, I didn't come in until late season one. Right. You know what I mean? So I kind of was aware of that show too, going, Oh, I wouldn't mind getting up there. Yeah. I read for the mayor, the yep. Al Sapienza guy. Yeah. I read for some other role. And I'm glad I didn't get either one because I like the role I got. Yeah. Well, it fits you for sure. Um, that fit me. And the mayor seemed cool. I wanted to get it. But ultimately, where that role went and how it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad I didn't get it. That <laughs> wasn't for me. Though. Yeah. Now, I mean, you stayed working pretty heavy since then you're always doing something as you mentioned you got coda coming out you've done a lot of you know projects that you got behind the camera on as well 
Um, what's probably been your favorite thing you've done, you know, since, since the brotherhood and the Sopranos and all that, what's kind of been your favorite? Um, I would say maybe doing chat, the movie Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick, based yeah. Based on the Ted Kennedy debacle, you know, I like yeah. that because we got to go to Mexico. Yeah. Believe it or not, to shoot in the, um, special effects water tank. Wow. With a car going, you know, yeah. they, they built that for the Titanic. So that was right. all very interesting. They literally created the space for that movie. Wow. And then when that movie was done, they started using it. Like if you're making a movie and you need water and yeah. uh, you go over there. Right. So it was cool that we got to shoot in, in Massachusetts where I'm from. Right. And then all of a sudden get in the plane and continue the same scene, but only now in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> now what's uh his name escapes me, but he was also in the brotherhood. He's in Chappaquiddick. Jason Clark. Yes. yes he's we we, we got to do scenes in both things together. Yeah, and he's and went he's on. Done, he's done, done very well. He, he's blown up. He's yeah, done he's been. What he had a sh- uh, he had a show in Chicago for a little while, where he was. I think he was a cop, and then he was yeah. just in the recent Pet Cemetery Two remake. And he's got. Yeah, he was he's in done, a, he's a movie guy. Yeah, he's a, he's one of those guys you always see acting. He's in the, he's the movie The always. Silk Road about the guy that had the black market internet. It, that was a good role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't stop, man. Jason Clark is just all out, you know? Yeah. So now you actually have your own podcast as well. Is that right? I do. I'm a, I'm a co-host with the legendary Be A Man man. That's what we call him. That's his name. He's from Parts <laughs> Unknown. Yeah. And we do a sort of a, a comedic podcast together that I'm fortunate to do with, with him, along with him. He's, a, he's the guy. And uh, it's fun. We enjoy it a lot. We've done about eight or nine, whatever. We're going to do some next week. You know, it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, gaining some traction. Yeah, the be a man phenomenon. What he does, right? We did a live show in Boston the other night. It was nine hundred tickets sold. It was unbelievable. Wow, maiden voyage, insanity. Great, great show. We may try to do more live shows. You know, yeah. that's been a lot of fun. Now, what'd you say the name of that podcast was for our listeners? And we'll add it to I our think show it was notes. Called. Um, the be a man experience. Be a man experience. Yeah. That's kind of funny. I've got a book here and he was on the show. I think he was on there after you went off, but it's Frank yeah. Vincent's book. It's a, uh, a guy's guide to being a man's man. Somebody gave that for me because they knew I was a big Sopranos <laughs> fan. And it's basically just all the stuff that he's got his mannerisms yeah. and stuff like that. That's perfect. He was a fantastic yeah, so, actor. Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. The be a man name when they came up with it, you know, we've all heard that that phrase for our whole lives. Be a man, right. be a man. It's well ingrained in all of us. So, you know, anybody can take it. There's multiple podcasts called Be a Man. Right. Different variations of it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They find us. They find this one. They find that one. We do something different than they do. Yeah. And, the, you know, the graphic, everything's different. But we just we just expand upon that whole assault on uh on malehood in a comedic right. way. We talk about our past because we're like the same age and how we see things and what the hell's going on here. You know? Right. <laughs> and that that's kind of with this, like, you know, I named it crime and entertainment. I didn't want to get boxed into just doing true crime because I mean, let's to do a good true crime podcast of something that nobody don't know about. That's a lot of work. You got to dive into the cases and get the backstories oh, yeah. and, and it's a lot of research. So I added the entertainment cause I'm like, you know, I want to reach out to some of these guys that I enjoyed watching and, you know, kind of get their story on playing some of the guys that have this crime aspect. So I added the crime and entertainment just to kind of 
make my job a little easier and a little bit I more like fun. It. Like being able to, you know, interview you. It's the it's it's both. You got the crime aspect of the show and the entertainment aspect <laughs> right. of you being in show business. So absolutely, yeah. man, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, the perfect fit. And like yourself, we're we're starting out, and you know, we're gaining some traction too. So I'm sure this episode cool. will will do nothing but help. Um, well, we're winding down here. Probably, we'll, we'll single in on the Sopranos. What was probably the most memorable? moment or experience out of everything you did what's the one thing when you when you tell your kids or your grandkids or whoever you know hey this is i remember when this happened what would probably be that what you would tell them? well i would have to say the shooting you the know because um i never i don't think i'm trying to think if i ever shot anybody on a film or a tv show or whatever but to be able to do that because like i just mentioned earlier it was very gangland Right. Those kind of murders were in the paper, like between New York, Boston, you know, East Coast. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, we've all we've all seen those pictures. Yeah, it was very uh, classic in the sense of a, a mob hit, and uh, just to see what went into it and the involvement of everybody, you know, that had had to make that shot happen. Yeah, I would say that really stands out to me. Yeah, you know? that that scene is kind of in resemblance to I don't know if you know Angelo Bruno. He was the mob yeah. boss and Phil, I think they called him the gentle Don, but the famous picture is him. I guess he got a shotgun to the back of the head and he's laying in the thing with his, his mouth wide open and you can see the glass broke. That was kind of what that shot. It kind of yes. resembled that a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough way. Yeah. That mouth wide open. That's a very grim shot. <laughs> yes, it is. That's definitely what you don't want. That's not what you want to be your final close up. Definitely for real no, life. For sure. No, no that's, bad. that's a bad one. Well, John, we've enjoyed having you on the show, man. It's it's been a blast. I'm glad we got to talk with you and you know get some experiences on the show. The the, the last few things I want to ask, I get a lot of friends of mine, especially down here in Charleston. They ask me like I'm not Italian. I just love the show, but they're like, "What are these things they're talking about? What is gabagool? I know what it is. What? How would you describe it? What's well, a cold cut? You right. Know what I mean? It's a sliced cold cut that goes into a. It's Capicola. Capicola, you know, yeah. Italia, you can get it hot and everything else. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we call it gabagool. Uh, yeah. so quick, but we gabagool. Now, and, uh, it's it's one of the layers in a beautiful Italian sub. Yes. You know, solo, Any, I mean, to me, like salami can stand solo, prosciutto, but uh, gabagool has got to be, doesn't have to be, it's still good, don't get me wrong. But when it's layered up in the sub next to the salami and all the other stuff. Yeah. You gotta have it. Yeah, most people's probably ate it and didn't realize they were eating it because it was. Oh, yeah. The sub would be incomplete. You gotta have it. Now I'll get it. I'll get it actually just straight capicola from my Publix deli here, and I'll usually get some cheese to go along with it, and I'll lay it out, and and I I love it that way. And every time I go in there, I know he's not gonna have a clue what I'm saying, but I tell the guy, I'm like. You know, give me some gabagool, and he's he's looking around. And he's like, <laughs> "I don't think we have that." I was like, "Yeah, you do. It's it's right here. It's that." And so now, when I come in there, he's like, "You want the gabagool?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I want it." So he's he's starting to tell other people that. Yeah, man. W- one other thing, what they call it, Schliadel? What is that? Schliadel. 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 It's a pastry. It's like an Italian kind of pastry thing. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. Got, and even I didn't know what that was. I, I, I was like, I said, I know it's a pastry because that's what they he tells them to put in the box. Christopher tells him to put in the box when he's there, and he shoots the guy in the foot. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, so it's got to be a pastry. He's, he's in a pastry, you know, place, so it, it's got to make sense. Well, well, that's some good stuff, man. We, we've really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, you know, it's been fantastic. We wish you well going to the future and any projects. You got anything coming down the pipe that we need to look out for? Well, uh, I'm currently filming a movie called Z Dead End, the zombie movie. Oh, okay. Believe it or not, it's really going to be cool too. I've never been in one before. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to strike a chord, especially the people that like that kind of movie. Yes. So I play a general in a uniform in that one, and that's a lot of fun. That's going to be cool. So I'm doing that kind of a little little bit in between. They're shooting some other stuff right now. Then I will resume in the fall. I did some stuff already, though, earlier in the summer. So we're doing that. You know, we get things going, a couple of things cooking, a few. Things we're working on, getting going. So it's been good. It's been busy, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, listeners, please follow this show. You don't want to miss this show, especially if you're a fan of Sopranos. This is a can't-miss show. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. We'll be on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. If they got it, we're going to be on there. This video here will be uploaded in its entirety to YouTube You do not want to miss it. I am Hollywood Wade. That was John Fiora, and we are out of time. John, it was a pleasure doing this interview, sir. Thank you for having me, Wade. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. It's fucking awful. It's a young man. Heart disease. The silent killer. Hey, there are worse ways to go. Even still, I'm the bitch I do. Pretty fucking humiliating. It's how Elvis died. That guy in Hollywood, too. Don something. But those sort of Simpsons. Oh, that, that cracks me up there because I'm pretty sure who he's talking about is Don Simpson. And he yeah. was the action movie producer along with mine, your favorite, Jerry Bruckheimer there, that done a lot of the action movies in the early 80s. What he did, Top Gun. Um, oh, God. About anything that had a sunset scene and something that blew up. Yeah. Bruckheimer was all over the place. He's kind of slowed down, I believe, lately, but I mean, how much money can you make? Yeah, when, when you can't <laughs> find your front door because you're buried in all that cash, I guess it's pretty hard to get out there and go, go do a job. <laughs> Yeah, Don Don Simpson's somebody we may need to do a podcast on by himself because he was quite a character. Um, I want to say he died. He did The Rock. I think he did The Rock with Jerry Bruckheimer. And I want to say it's the opening of Bad Boys where they dedicate that film to Don Simpson. I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe that's how it went. Um, But didn't they have like matching Vipers? At a time, I think you told yeah, me. Yeah, the there story. was a story about that. Um, how did it come out? Was it a Playboy article back in the day or something like that? But yeah, they were a tandem and then had the falling out. Long story short, because yeah, not going to be his whole podcast episode. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really follow up, or I wasn't paying attention when Don was active in producing. Like I, I kind of retroactively learned about all that stuff. Yeah, and I noticed Don when. Mm-hmm. I started getting into more of the in-depth stuff behind movies of actually caring about who the producers were, who the directors were. And there's a movie that was actually filmed in our hometown of Darlington, South Carolina, days of thunder. I'm sure you remember that film Mm -hmm. with Tom Cruise at the end. When he comes back, they're actually interviewing 
other drivers about him. Cole Trickle, the, the race car driver's name who Tom Cruise played coming back and they interview a guy named Aldo Benedetti, I think was his name. Now that was actually Don Simpson doing a little cameo there because all the other drivers they were interviewing were actually real drivers. I think it was, uh, Oh, wow. maybe Harry Gant was there. There's a couple other famous drivers. Those are all real race car drivers. As you know, I've got a lot of ties to NASCAR. I got some family in NASCAR. So I was really up on all that when that time, especially in that time frame when they come through there, Darlington was real hot. I think my dad and some other friends are actually at the track as extras because they could go in there while it was being filmed. But yeah, that was actually Don Simpson in there. And I mean, his whole damn story is just absolutely bonkers. I know he had like a shitload of cocaine, a bunch of prescription pills. Apparently his hooker habit was off the fucking charts. There's a book somewhere. I think like a madam wrote in Hollywood called you'll never make love in this town again. And there's like a detailed section in there about just how crazy Don Simpson was and his fucking demands and what he wanted and you know, how he wanted the girls to be. He was, he was a fucking rock star living for sure. Cause he, he had the money, but boy, he lived it hard. I'll tell you what. Fast and hard was Don. So stay tuned for that episode. Get subscribed, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm excited already. I've been plugging it. Didn't even mean to. Yeah, that was a complete uh, whim, but yeah, definitely. We're going to get that ready. But uh, that wrapped up John Fiore here on The Sopranos. Now, I mean, that was, John was a laid-back guy, and I like when he talked about filming the movie Chappaquiddick. Now, I don't know. Have you ever seen that film? I remember that title. I never watched that one. Okay, that's the whole controversy. You remember when Ted Kennedy, obviously, Kennedys are fucking covered in controversy. That's probably another episode you could do. But Ted Kennedy, when he drove the car into the water, and he got out, but the girl didn't, and which okay. is, yeah, All right. that whole, that. that whole deal. Well, Chappaquiddick was a movie about that. Mm. And he was say he was in that movie and he said when they filmed it, they had to go to Mexico because I guess they have something over there set up. It's where they filmed the parts of the Titanic where it's just like a huge body of water, but it's there like, I guess in an enclosed area or something like that. And that's right. where they filmed it, driving the car off the thing into the water. And he said that was real cool. Cause he got to filming in his hometown there. Actually, you heard in the interview, he's from Boston so a lot of it was filmed there, but then he got to go over to Mexico and film that. So that's pretty cool. And that's what we like to do here on crime and entertainment, get those inside stories that nobody knows how it was made or how it was filmed. I mean, that's, that's some really cool stuff there. I had no idea that's how it was done. I mean, obviously I knew they didn't sink the Titanic out in the middle of the fucking Atlantic ocean, but you know, it's pretty cool to kind of have an idea how that was done. Yeah. I think James Cameron probably would have attempted to think an actual real one, but he was pretty into CG at the time. He didn't have, <laughs> yeah james uh he spared no expense uh that's for sure but uh, yeah. what did you think about this interview Edgar, with john fiore i mean he seems like a real laid-back guy uh, somebody definitely as you can see on the video interview when it gets uploaded you definitely would have a beer with that man because he had one on there he asked me before we started <laughs> he said wait do you care if i drink a beer yeah. i said well absolutely not i'm drinking a liquor drink as we speak absolutely not there like your co-host is uh not named after but shares the name of a popular drink the jägermeister so yeah <laughs> we're pretty drink friendly here it's allowed absolutely but as far as the interview goes i keep saying the show's so good how are we even on it <laughs> i don't know it's like i i'm sitting there waiting. i was like who are we gonna do next week so i have to look and i was like oh yeah we already did that uh, i'm a fan as well as i'm doing it here because i mean it's stuff that i know i would want to listen to stuff that i know you would want to listen to i mean you know, we got drug smugglers, we got actors, we got, you know, guys that's been to prison 
We've got guys been in all kinds of stuff. We've got women that's been in horror movies that's beat up Freddy Krueger, for God's sake. So we've got guys that's been in the mob. I mean, it's just all over the map. If you're not listening to Crime and Entertainment, I don't know what the hell you're doing out there. Put down that damn remote. Your team's probably going to lose this week anyway. Go ahead. Listen to some of our episodes here on Crime and Entertainment. Get caught up. Binge watch them. You, you got to get with the program, man. Tell them, nigger. And I will ask everybody, please, on the YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe over there on your favorite podcast catcher. Check that five-star review up the five-star sports. Come on and leave a review. It really does help us out with algorithms and trying to push shows out and all that stuff and letting the, the powers that be know that we exist and we're doing our thing over here. Absolutely. No doubt about it. You said a mouthful there. Go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. It doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. You know, people say, well, I'm just on Apple. That's fine. We're on Apple podcast. They say, well, I'm an Android guy. That's fine. We're on Spotify. Well, I don't have any of those. I don't want to pay for that stuff. That's fine too. Get the Stitcher app. It's free on there. We're on Amazon music. We're probably at your neighbor's house in their backyard. Just go outside and listen over there. We don't give a shit how you do it. Just go listen to the show and throw us some support. We're not trying to dig in your pockets. We're not trying to hold you up or shake you down like the guys on the Sopranos. We want to give you a good time. We want to let you hear some interesting stuff and enjoy it and tell all your friends. And I think that about wraps it up for this week. Is this short enough for you, pal? Have I wrapped it up here? Really? You always say I get long-winded. Yeah, hell, I'm going to go figure out how to get us on smoke signals later on. I'm trying to get us everywhere. It <laughs> <laughs> just float through the air. So yeah. I'm going to go tend to that. If, I, I guess it was another good one. The only thing we're not on is TikTok. I don't know how to work that. I'm going to have to get my son in here to figure out <laughs> how to work this damn TikTok shit. I tried it one time, and I, it just didn't look very good. I don't know how some of these people are doing that. I know some of them are very good at yeah. it. I got I got to dive in and, you know, see, I got to build it apart and rip apart the block. You know, as that guy said on Fast and Furious. Dom. Yeah, I was asking your daughter something about TikTok. I can't remember what it was, but she knew. She knew what she was talking about. And uh, it fits up something I was trying to do. <laughs> I'm still wrapping my head around that one, too. That was the first time I kind of felt like I was too old to be doing some of this stuff because I didn't really. My kid, my son, who's uh, 12, he knows what TikTok <laughs> is. My daughter's pretty into it. And I'm having to go to them and ask questions. And I feel like, you know, my dad, when he would ask me, how the hell you turn on that VCR, son? You know, that's yeah, what I, I, know, I know now what it feels like to be getting older, not really being hip to all this new stuff they got rolling out. You know, and being a YouTuber, I'm the old guy. That's the old app now. That app, it was 06, I think. So it was like, yeah, that's the old people stuff, YouTubing. <laughs> well, i'll tell you what won't be old Crazy folks world. and that is this episode this interview in its entirety it will be uploaded to our youtube channel me and john fiore so you if you would rather go ahead and sit down and watch the video portion that will be on our youtube channel as well i'm going to give it a couple days because like i said i did upload the lisa wilcox interview a few days late due to my automobile accident so i'm gonna let people get their feel of that and we'll probably release this one about middle of the week. And then after that, we should be back on schedule, releasing them all at the same time. And with that, we will close out. Ladies and gentlemen, that was John Fiore. I am Hollywood Wade, along with my co-host, Jaeger Yancey Tedder. But unfortunately, we are out of time. Jaeger, close it out. We'll see you next week right here on Crime and Entertainment. 